Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. Recording this on today, Saturday. We will. Can you hear the birds tweeting in the background? I'm wondering if I should close my window. Probably not. We'll we'll just let the nature seep in and and we'll just enjoy this fine day that we've got going on here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, yeah, it's the End Zone Podcast. It's the middle of May. There's not much to talk about. No lies. It's it's kind of dead, but. Trey has gotten to the point where he's like, yeah, dude, there's nothing to talk about. Like, let's stop doing a podcast every week. And I'm to the point where I'm like, oh, I just dropped like $100 on Podbeam for like the eighth straight year. So it might be time to like use that subscription and like make sure we put up some quality content. So here is one of our, I'm going to say, four June episodes uh, with various random guests throughout. And joining me today is my good friend, Donnie. Always a good time to have on. Donnie here is uh, helping me slowly but surely making the transition to free on Monday when I have some downtime. I'm going to fire up old iMovie and maybe have Donnie send me some tips via Google Doc or something and see if I can put together this podcast with iMovie instead of Audition, which is the Fire Superior service. So um yeah it, it should be a fun time but donnie how are you doing you're wearing your dodgers cat how are the dodgers doing i i've i've been largely plugged out of baseball if it's not the angels for about the past month as you should be baseball is an incredible grind you think like the football season's a lot to grind for even like you've been watching hockey a lot more the last couple of years the baseball season is a grind like no other if you watch every single game for any team in the year you're you're way too passionate even me as somebody who i'd say i watch pretty much every sporting event that has any of the teams that i follow in it I can't, I can't do 162 baseball games, but I am doing well, obviously living the dream. Glad to come on. It's been a while since I've been back on the pod. Yeah, honestly, it's been a while since I've been on Roth pod too. It's, it's, it's like, we, we haven't really like we chat quite a bit, but I haven't seen you like face to face and it feels like a minute or so. So this, this is nice, especially because you don't like to talk on the phone. So, uh, and, and sometimes I just like to call my friends and just, spew random thoughts on the phone which is yeah. the best way to that's the best way to consume eric if you're a close friend of mine is via See, phone call i consume enough eric through text and, and through other you know means of of distribution so uh we'll leave the, the phone calls out for now obviously you know it's just it's a good time to come talk with my good friend eric so here i am and, and i'm ready to get going here yeah, absolutely. We are here. We're locked in. It is approximately 3.52 in the afternoon. Just finished watching the Champions League game. Overall, not going to lie, kind of disappointing. Like, it like wasn't – am I crazy to say that other than, like, Timo Courtois, like, that wasn't a very good soccer game? Like, I feel like it, it was kind of lackluster. Yeah, no, Tebow was great. Very, very, very low action. Uh, Real Madrid ended up with four shots the entire game uh, to Liverpool's 24 and ended up winning 1-0 because of their goaltender. Um, not the super exciting game that you would have expected out of a Champions League final. However, Real Madrid plays a bunch of 1-0 games. They play a lot Basically, of close games. So yeah. this is what you expect, I guess. Uh, yeah, honestly, like the first... 
30 minutes were pretty exciting. Like Liverpool had some pretty good chances, but I felt like everything really slowed down in the second half and Liverpool just like stopped getting chances at some point. And yeah, the second Madrid takes a lead, you know, the game is going to just be a absolute drain. It's going to be turtle city, you know, which is fine. Like you want to win a game, but as as a viewer, you and I are not super thrilled. Yeah, it was tough. Like I've definitely seen better chance. Like, I think even last year, like I know last year was pretty low scoring too, but I thought last year's game was more entertaining than this. I mean, well, usually, usually we have some sort of push at the end. Like last year, I think last year was also a one zero game. We've had a couple one zero games last couple of years, if I remember correctly, Um, but a lot more action out of two teams, you know, literally like, I don't know, man, four shots in a game. If you, you get dominated like that in terms of just the possession stats. Cause I think Liverpool had to have quite a lot more uh, than Madrid. You probably don't deserve to win. And I, even like the expected goals accounts or whatever, Real Madrid had 0.84 expected goals throughout the entire game where most Salah on his own had over one. So uh, interesting, but again, you know, you can play, you can play the lovely game of soccer or, or you know, football, if you're a uh, European, however you want. And I guess, you know, Madrid's got 14 champions league titles for a reason, right? Yeah, that's definitely true. I was, she, my mom, I forced my mother to watch them again with me. And she was like, wow, that's a lot of titles. And I was like, yeah, mom, they're basically the Patriots. So like. Yeah, essentially, yeah, I'd say so. Like, they have double the titles everybody else now. Like literally Milan's second with six, I think, or seven. How did, uh, it's, it's bizarre, really. Like it's going to be pretty hard to catch them. Like even though New England's like maybe not a Super Bowl contender right now. No, it's going to be very hard to replicate what New England has done as a franchise. Um, if, the if, coach, you're, right? if you're another franchise in the NFL and it's just going to be the same with Real Madrid. But that's the crazy part about soccer, too, is like it's not like football where like the same coach sticks around for like 10 years. It's like most guys, even if they're successful, are like, OK, I want to be here like four years max and then I'm out. And then they rotate to another country with another team that's willing to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on players. And then right. the, the, the cycle continues. Right. So, yeah, it's crazy. Anyhow, uh, so we're here to do two things today. Talk very briefly about just some notes on the Giants roster. So a little bit of a Giants preview here. And then we're going to draft. The quarterbacks under the most pressure. I have I went on Notes app last night and I put together a substantial list for myself. I hope you have one of the same. Certainly and do. We will go back and have three picks each, and maybe we'll we'll put it out. Maybe maybe I could enlist your Photoshop skills. Maybe we could set up a nice little graphic uh, for the End Zone Pod Twitter on Monday and uh, and do some voting on it. If I have till Monday, I'm down. If, if you were telling me, oh, you have 20 minutes after the pod's over, I was like, I'm not doing that. But yeah, no, I got not, time. I'm I got not, you. I'm not putting this up till Monday. I'm 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 gonna convert this and then I'm gonna enjoy the rest of my Saturday afternoon before I have to go into work and do Sunday baseball tomorrow. So yeah, I am just maxing and relaxing. Let me tell you something though, Donnie. The Giants. Where do we want to even start here? I don't I don't even want to talk about Daniel Jones that much because I'm just more interested in like the rest of the roster because everyone can point at Daniel Jones all they want and say, oh, he's under so much pressure. Like we get it. Like 
I'm more interested in like what's actually around Daniel Jones. And I guess my first question to you is how confident are you in this kind of revamped offensive line? Because the guard play to me, it's still guys that you're kind of taking gambles on guys that played a little bit last year, but are, were up and down. And I, I can't even pronounce the left guard's name, Joshua Ezadu and uh, right guard <laughs> Mike. Uh, Mike Glowinski, as you know, I'm not an offensive line guy. I'm not, not, not saying I am. I pay attention to like good, like good players. Like I know their names and that's about it, but you have Andrew Thomas and then you add Evan Neal and that's always a, you know, he's a first round pick. Sure. But you never know how those guys are going to turn out, but you'd imagine he'd be at least average. I don't know. I kind of look at the giants line and I think, okay, Whereas two years ago, it was probably the weakness of the team. It's like a middle point of the team now. Like there, there are position groups on the team that are stronger, but it's definitely not the weakest. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's an interesting thought um, to go back to the last couple of years because they did have some guys on the roster that ended up, you know, we, we've seen guys like Weston Richard, for example, who has gone on to an okay career elsewhere. Also, Justin Pugh playing elsewhere just fine the Giants you know they, they were uh supposedly building this offensive line and defensive line master class with the hog mollies and it turns out um uh, Dave Gettleman was not really interested in building the offensive line more interested in just like kind of drafting guys and hoping they can step in and play didn't really work out but now you see uh, the Giants added like six new offensive linemen this offseason which is really surprising to me given the fact that you know like I think getting offensive line, especially good offensive linemen in the NFL is one of the more difficult um, personnel changes. You have to make personnel uh, additions. You have to make for a roster, especially a team like the giants who let's just be realistic here. Like we're still talking about Shane Lemieux, probably playing some decent, uh, decent time uh, as you do. Uh, Glowinski is going to play a lot, I think very versatile, but I think it really just comes down to, you know, not expecting so much. The Giants are going to have to move the ball quickly, uh, regardless of the offensive line. They're going to have to have some plays where they have guys in movement. It's very important. We haven't seen much of that. Obviously, Jason Garrett, as I think you you can uh, attest, Jason Garrett, not really good at coaching the sport of football anymore, kind of, uh, kind of over the hill. Uh, it's an interesting uh, proposition to think about, like, is this Giants offense the best offense they've had in quite a long time? Probably, yeah, I'd say so in terms of the roster. Um, even like the, the weapons are good. You'd agree with me on that, right? Like the wide receiving core, not too bad. Saquon Barkley, pretty good. Even the tight ends, like Ricky Seals Jones is a fine tight end. Okay, right? let, let's let's slow down a little bit. I'm excited about my, my okay, Giants offense for the first good. time in like maybe, maybe like three or four years, Eric. That's good. Let, let me just ask you some questions that my friend Donnie would ask me because you sound like a certain guy named eric and eric likes to get excited about his teams too and like really excited and i'm pretty happy most of the time and then he's he's got this friend donnie who's more of a realist and usually has a better read on what his teams are actually going to do so so let me just ask you a few questions because like for one okay saquon barkley you say that but isn't saquon barkley just a name at this point like what has Saquon Barkley actually done over the past three years, other than be injured, like to prove that he's worth anything? Like everybody, I'm not going back to the draft. 
that that's tired. That's a tired storyline. I'm not about tired discourses. You drafted him where you drafted him. It was a different GM. Can't change the past. But like, if we're asking, like, does my offense have an elite running back? Like, are we so sure coming off of like eight hamstring injuries, Saquon Barkley is still an elite running back? I guess that's that's my first question. Well, so I think that the biggest thing with a running back in general, like you can get multiple running backs on your roster that can produce. Obviously, you saw it last year with Denver. Um, the guys, you didn't have the the marquee name. You didn't have the superstar running back name, but you had guys that produced. And I think the Giants will benefit a little bit from um, having some depth maybe at the RB position outside of like a Wayne Gallman type who – uh, left and didn't do anything elsewhere uh, this year. Obviously, they get to go into the season with Matt Breida as their backup, pretty quality veteran, I'd say. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting with Barkley. I'm not really sure exactly um, how to I, – I don't know how to predict it because of the injuries, obviously. But if he does give you a full year, you have to think that he will be very productive, maybe not rookie year productive where he was putting up 2,000 yards and, and looked like an absolute stud. But – you have to think with an improved offensive line and they still have, like I said, good weapons around him. Hopefully he can get some space to work and hopefully he can stay healthy. Yeah. I I just think that's a huge question mark is just generally Saquon Barkley, because you say it like it's just yesterday that that rookie season happened, but he's been in the league for like, what, like four or five years now? Like, it's been a long time since we saw that crazy rookie season. Like, but are you, are almost, you counting out a twenty-five-year-old? Are we? Are we going to say, "Oh, this guy's career is dead because I of a mean, couple injuries"? It seems like every year he gets injured. So I'm going to say, likely he's he's like two more injuries from his career being dead. You know, I think that might be a little bit of a stretch. Obviously, he's played. What are you more talking games. about? Three he's of, been three injured. Of, He's three been or four seasons. He's managed to play 13 or more games. Obviously, you'd like to play uh, every game of the year, but running backs get hit very often. The uh, potential for injury with running backs has to be as high as just about any position in the league, I would say. So like, let, let's be realistic here. Obviously, um, there are some freak injuries in there. It's not necessarily all like like terrible damage to the same spot like we've seen with other guys. Um, it's a lot of like mismatch here and there injuries. Hopefully, um, they can do things to block a little bit for him, you know, make some space to where he doesn't have to go take hit, take contact or try to get a couple yards. I think that's just the big thing. Obviously it's going to be, um, I, you have to think it's got to be Dable's number one mission is to be, you know, get Barkley moving in space, see if he can get some open, open field in front of him rather than, um, you know, Jason Garrett, a lot of uh, handoffs up the middle, a lot of running into traffic, a lot of, you know, him trying to dance and do too much. And I think that's probably very detrimental for a guy that, as you said, very injured. I apologize there as I have a coughing fit. Um, no, I mean, those are good points that it is going to be a new offensive system, but discolor me a little bit skeptical. Which is fair. I don't hate the wide receiving core, but Donnie, Jesus, we do this literally every year. The past two years you've been on this, even like the Eli Manning years, I say, man, I really like the Giants wide receiving core. And then without fail by week five, most of them are injured or not on the team anymore. Like, 
Sterling Shepard, when's the last time he had a fully healthy season? Like, <laughs> like what, like, what are we even doing? With, like, he's a guy that legitimately he's like two injuries away from not playing in the NFL. He's actually two injuries away from being, ha- having a career ending. Like he's, he's actually to a Saquon Barkley, maybe a bit of a stretch, but he gets hurt seven times a year. And it's really bizarre to me, given the fact that he didn't really have like this type of a problem before he made the NFL. Like he had some issues here and there. Uh, before his professional days, but he gets hurt in just the dumbest ways. Everything's so stupid. Yeah. And it's I'm, so frequent. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just tough on Sterling Shepard. I have a hard time because I like Sterling Shepard. He's a good player when he's healthy, but he's never, he's never healthy. And then I don't know. Then I look at Kenny Galladay and it's like, okay, well, Kenny Galladay did have, three seasons of really successful time with Matthew Stafford in Detroit. On the other hand, last year, he spent most of the year as a non-contributor in the offense, and he was healthy a lot of the time. Like, hopefully the new offense gets him involved more, and he has the potential, but I guess that's the common thread I'm seeing. Like, all your weapons are heavily, like, You've got a bunch of like high ceiling guys here, uh, Donnie. But the issue is they're also extremely low floor. <laughs> like Kadarius Tony, this guy, and I, I swear to God, everybody's looking for the next Tyree Kill. But this is one of the only guys in the NFL that actually moves like Tyree Kill. Like he can be special. But then there's also the floor with him, which. He got injured. The Giants seem to think he's some kind of a knucklehead and they're not like fully committing to him. Like, what are we doing there? Sterling Shepard can be an excellent, one of the best slot receivers in the league when he's healthy. For he's never healthy. Kenny Galladay, he can be a number one wide receiver. We've seen him do it before. That's that's the ceiling, pardon me. Before he just disappears from the offense for stretches like he did last year. And then you bring in a guy like Wondell Robinson, who I think is going to see some starter time with the way the Giants wide receiving room always shakes out. And I I like him. He's an exciting prospect, kind of a Tony type guy where you could do some handoff stuff. And like, he's kind of a gadget player, which, which will be good. But again, Donnie, to me, but wide receiving core, it's like a bunch of names and it's very high ceiling, but the ceiling has literally never paid off. And I I don't necessarily think that's even the quarterback's fault. Like, I just think that these are just a bunch of really high ceiling, extremely low floor guys. Yeah, which is fair. And I mean, I think it's hard to just completely go off of last year's like statistic output or whatever. Uh, obviously, Kenny Galladay had an incredibly disappointing year. And I, I think a lot of Giants fans are very, they're out on him just in general now. But uh, we're talking about a guy that can produce. But I think last year, a, a lot of it you can't really look at because like Mike Glennon, not somebody who you want to even have on your football team at this point, a very, very mediocre uh, performance. He threw 10 picks and four starts last year. I don't know how that even happened. Jake Fromm ended up starting a couple of games last year. Jake Fromm should probably not be in the NFL right now. So um, I, I'm just thinking it just my, my thought process here, basically um, 
hopefully having a consistent Daniel Jones for 17 games under a better coaching staff means that the offensive guys can, uh, you know, maybe do a little bit more. And I'd also like to see, as you mentioned before, with like Juan Dale, for example, and even Kadarius Tony, these guys are going to have to rotate a little bit. They're not going to play every snap. They're not going to be out there all the time, but it's more a health concern than anything. Having gadget players is not a bad thing. We see it all the time across the league. You have random guys that can step in and make a big play and then sit on the bench. Um, not really the worst thing in the world to have. You'd rather have more weapons than less, right? But I think the big issue ends up being uh, Sterling Shepard and then to a lesser extent, Darius Slayton, two guys that are the, the prime very, very talented when they are healthy. However, Darius Slayton couldn't stay healthy last year. Uh, it got banged up a little bit. And then even when players were uh, out and he was playing, he was very mediocre. Um, I just think it, it's a whole, it, it's very hard to judge when you have a new coach, especially a coach that has pretty much entirely changed the functionality of the team. Obviously they're, they're doing a lot more um, side to side rather than just up the field stuff. And hopefully Daniel Jones benefits from having a little bit more support and can actually get the ball to these guys. It's like Kenny Galladay is not getting hundred targets. It's a failed year, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess it's just time to get to Danny dimes. Like a, a lot rides on him, but I, I think one of your expectations that you put out there is fair. Like the coaching staff offensively for the past two years has largely been uh what's the word i'm looking for <laughs> there's a lot of words don't worry like uh outclassed uh keep going i mean i can keep obviously keep last, going. G- give last, me give me a few adjectives to pick from if i was incompetent incompetent that that would have been the next one coming that, up if we're talking that, about last year that is that is what the coaching staff for the new york giants has been it took me a minute my brain kind of shut off but they were incompetent last year. And For sure. I think Brian Dable is a competent coach. That's a big upgrade. I don't think it's crazy to expect this to be a top 15 offense. Like that, that's not a crazy expectation to say they're going to carry you and like you're a Super Bowl contender. That might be a little bit crazy. But having a top half NFL offense in today's day and age. It's not that hard to do. And like, even if you're not in the top half, most offenses are pretty efficient. It's an offensive league right now. Like as long as you're not in the bottom eight of the league in offensive efficiency, you're like a decent offense. And I think the the Giants can be a decent offense. Well, if you want to talk about just like efficiency in general, the Giants are pretty much like a guarantee to underwhelm your efficiency standards or underwhelm your efficiency expectations. Um, We've even seen it like uh, the end of Eli's career, they were more efficient than they are now in terms of how they move the ball. Um, Yardage in general scoring. Daniel Jones has an awful time in the red zone. He's had an awful time in the red zone his entire career. And that's a real... Um, I'm not sure that's something that you can fix with a head coach. I think Daniel Jones has uh, other issues too, on top of the, the fumbling problem, which we've seen still time and time again, happens all the time. And that's just something that I, I, a lot of guys just can't get over Daniel Jones. He's been playing like this for his entire life. Um, obviously he's going to be reined in quite a bit with a, a head coach that has done it with, you know, a similar level talent on, you know, all things considered in terms of weapons it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not, I'm not out on Daniel Jones this year, but I think you can tell like giants fans in general, 
they're going to be very wishy-washy on Daniel Jones if they win games. People will be like, oh, okay, so he's not that bad. But if they start losing like they have the last couple of years, Daniel Jones is going to have so much pressure to do anything, given the fact that we're looking at a decent quarterback class and it seems like everybody and their mother says, oh, you know, the Giants are going to move on from Daniel Jones unless he's a superstar this year, which uh, I have a hard time believing uh, as somebody who has not been the biggest Daniel Jones supporter over time. Yeah, these are all fair points. I think what most likely happens with Danny Dimes' career is I think this year there is a chance, though, and I think it's a very small chance, but there is a chance where they do perform like a top 15 offense and they win, say, 10 games. I think that's a little too far. Maybe nine. I would say eight or nine is probably the ceiling. But. And and that's being nice. But. I fired up the old playoff predictor the other day. And I noticed that, as I've been saying, the NFC is extremely weak. You could absolutely get into the playoffs as the last wildcard team with eight or nine wins. Like. If they ever got into the playoffs and if he ever played competitively in a playoff game, they would have to think really hard. I kind of wonder if they'll even be in a position for one of those those quarterbacks next year. I think they're going to be exactly what you don't want to be if you're looking for one of those guys, which is like a very middling team. Yeah, and the Giants have been doing this. Like, other than, you know, they've had a couple years where they've been very bad, but – uh, yeah, it seems like, and I think pretty much everybody that's done any type of mock draft or done any type of, you know, analysis on what next year's draft looks like, uh, I would guess that we've got a couple quarterbacks going um, a very, I, you know, I don't want to like go off the board or anything, but I would assume that we have quarterbacks, two of the top three picks. I don't think that's out of the question there. And once you start taking quarterbacks off of the board, the Giants probably end up, I, I'd say anywhere from like five or six to 11 or 12, maybe. Um not not a good situation for sure, I would say. Uh, if they did make the playoffs, Daniel Jones is the quarterback next year, like or the year after, no doubt about it. But I think that we are talking about something that, you know, has a less than 30 or less than 20% chance at happening, all things considered, given the fact that, as you talked about, the weapons are always hurt. The offensive line is still a work in progress. We haven't even started talking about that. We haven't talked about the defense at all. And there's still, you know, there's definitely holes there too. Although the stronger unit, I would say out of the two. So it'll be interesting to see. Obviously there are growing pains. You've seen it time and time again with uh, new coaches in Denver, uh, the growing pain coaching carousel thing. It, it starts to get a little bit overwhelming as a fan. And hopefully the players don't feel the same way. Hopefully the players buy in um, or else this could be a very long year. Uh, won't be as bad as last year. Obviously, you don't have to see Mike Glennon play, but it, there's there's potential for this to go very well or extremely poorly. Yeah, you know, those are extremely fair points to make, I feel, Donnie. Okay. Defensive side of the ball. I'll be honest, outside of, like, the defensive line and the edge rushers, you're probably playing – what a three four it looks like with the personnel group they've got like outside of Leonard Williams Dexter Lawrence Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari and okay Blake Martinez is pretty good if he's healthy which is a big if 
But other than that, I don't know. You just cut your best cornerback to like f- save a little bit of money when a you very minimal amount of money, like a very small amount. Like that made no sense to me. I don't know if you feel the same way. I just scratched my head at that. And uh, Greg Rosenfall, who I bring up on this show all the time, is very in this season to talk about the teams that do the most and least cash spending of NFL franchises. Turns out the Giants are actually a very cheap franchise right now. Like they I have told you that. Like they have not spent much money in the past three years. Like they they're they're very like conservative. And that is not what you think when you think of the New York Giants and like the Giants of old and we're we're just gonna be the boys of Broadway, you know, like major sports markets in general, right? Like it's right. a confusing reality because let's just be honest here, let's be realistic. It's like even the Chicago Bears, they're gonna go out there and spend money. It might not be a pretty a pretty year for a Chicago well, Bears fan. They the, also were in the, the bottom three, but of eventually you, you know the Chicago Bears are hit, they're hitting hard tank mode right now. They will spend money when they get the opportunity. The Giants just don't do it anymore. We haven't seen the Giants really go out other than the Kenny Galladay contract, which was a very interesting, you know, it was a need that they decided they were going to address. It's like, you're not going to see major market teams. Uh, the NFL is a little different, but in sports, like the New York teams, the Mets are currently spending $250 million. The Yankees are spending $230 million. Uh, the Knicks are always way over and, and doing whatever the Knicks do. Uh, yet you have the Giants, and I, I guess like you know, it used to be the Jets. The Jets are starting to spend a little bit of money, I believe. I think they're pretty high up on the uh, the, the active salary list. But yeah, um, the Giants are very interesting. And again, as you said with the defense before, I think there's definitely some holes. There's definitely some question marks. And I hate the fact that we're always going back to the same point of you know we're drafting guys in the second, third, fourth round. We're throwing them in there if they're good or not. Like Darnay Holmes is going to play a lot regardless of if he plays well or not. Um, they're really hoping a lot out of their mid-round picks from this year. Like, for example, Dane Belton's going to end up playing a, a significant amount as a, you know, a sub um, backup if there's any injuries, which may be a little bit disappointing given the fact that, you know, even RK, the, the Iowa guru himself is telling me, uh, you know, maybe not the guy you want in there just yet. Um, it depends. It's really interesting. Obviously, new coaches, uh, you really hope to see something. And I, you would think that the linebacking group is good enough to where they can, you know, um, do their job. Obviously, Blake Martinez was a big loss last year after Blake Martinez, uh, you know, not really the, the most exciting player in the world to watch. However, he'll get out there, he'll make some tackles. So um, it's a very young group. I think you, if you look at it, I'd say like all, all but maybe two or three guys have been drafted in the last three or four years and have been thrown into the, thrown in the fire. Um, you really got to hope that guys like, you know, Adoree Jackson, Blake Martinez, as I mentioned before, these guys can step up and provide some veteran leadership because there are going to be a lot of silly mistakes from a young group, I'd say. Yeah. The secondary really concerns me. And as it should. And like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's at least that was one thing during the Joe Judge era that really was pretty consistent. The secondary always played. You always looked at the secondary in August and were like, man, I don't really see it. And then they were decent throughout most of the year. He just, he's a good secondary coach. But now you have an offensive mind. Uh, like, I don't really know. It feels like the Giants are going to be in a lot of shootouts next year. 
feel feels like they, there's a potential, and we talked about this last season with the Cowboys. Feels like there's real potential for the Giants to just be one of my game pass teams where it's just a shootout every single week that they play in. Yeah, and the biggest issue there is like last year, for example, if you watch the Giants, you knew the run game, them stopping the run, it wasn't going to happen most of the time. Like we saw random teams, very less than great rushing teams absolutely torch them. It's like uh, the Eagles did so many numbers on them. Obviously, the Eagles have a running quarterback, so it helps a lot. But the Eagles really just toasted them on the ground. And it was very disappointing to watch, given the fact that, you know, I kind of expected them to get toasted in the passing game a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, you have a young roster, you have a bunch of random young mid round picks from 2021 and the 2020 draft in there. You're expecting them to be not so great, but the run coverage is really what worries me. And I think that we have, um, there's, there's a lot of concern about the run coverage next year as well. Yeah, you know, I can absolutely see that being an issue. Blake Martinez is, is really all you got back there. And he and he grinds. He struggle, struggles to stay healthy. Always. Um, so, yeah, let, let me just – I'll throw out some love. I do like Xavier McKinney. Have liked him since the draft. I know he hasn't really played up to his potential, but I think there's a shot that he, he's always kind of fun to watch. Uh, what, what do you think about Xavier McKinney? I don't watch uh, – you know, I don't watch the Giants secondary super closely, but is Xavier McKinney like – I, I view I see him and I'm like okay that's like a solid strong safety. Last year he was really good, uh, more of a a ball hawking role than I would have expected out of him, uh, given the fact that you know you throw a a second year player out there in a role like that where he has to you know pretty much uh, at times like run the defense almost in terms of his versatility, um, getting to you know short passes that uh, linebackers can't cover or even like. You know, the guy ended up with like four or five picks last year, and I'm not saying, you know, interceptions are everything, but you're definitely not going to complain when you have uh, players that are actually going and trying to, you know, make a difference in a ball game. whereas uh, the defensive unit last year, we've seen some guys the last couple of years who kind of just like give up. Um, one of those guys that did not play well at the end of his Giants tenure, like, you know, Jackrabbit Jenkins, he's, he's a man, he tries his best, he grinds, but, you know, you can tell when Janoris is not really into uh, into the whole game. And there were a lot of times when Janoris didn't feel like he was really giving his effort. Whereas Xavier McKinney is going to give you 110%, whether or not he's playing super great, whether or not the defense is playing super great, he's still going to be out there and he's still going to try at least to make a difference in a game. And I think that's an important reality um, from a young player. If you don't have a guy like that, that wants to make a difference and and shows that he's out there and really bleeding giants, you know, giants football, um, you know, it's a nice little change, honestly. We'll see how good he gets. And I do think, you know, obviously last year was his first year starting full time. So this year under a defense that should be like semi okay, fun to watch, you know, maybe it's better, um, maybe a little underwhelming in terms of his overall talent, but I'm not going to complain about a guy that wants to play football for the New York Giants. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. All right. I think we went way over time on the Giants. I wanted like 15 minutes of Giants talk, but this this probably serves as like a pretty decent season preview. I'm planning on having you back on for the NFC East season preview uh, when, when we get to that. But, you know, we'll see. The Giants, you know, there are still quite a few like veteran free agents. But the Giants screamed to me as a roster that like it would be nice if they added like a veteran free agent or two. 
that I think it could really help the roster. I doubt it. I would highly, highly, you know, as you said, they don't want to spend money. I don't think they're going to go out there and even try to touch what they're going on. I think they're trying more to build off of, you know, throwing these random mid round guys that they have in there on cost controlled salaries in there and hoping they can do their job. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if they kept basically what they've got going on right now and didn't make a whole lot of changes um, up until the season, obviously, other than, you know, some cuts here and there got to get under the 52. So 53. Yeah. But that, that is a fair assessment. I like, here's a guy, here's a guy. Like you could add Anthony Barr, like you could add Anthony Barr. I wouldn't Barr complain. I wouldn't like, be mad. And like, you could throw Anthony Barr out there. Like, I know he's an outside linebacker, but he plays inside sometimes in Minnesota. And like, you could easily throw him in there as a run stopper, you know, like on, on third down or whatever. So that feels like something that might happen, but who, who knows in general. Let's take a quick break here. Let's take a break. Trey, unfortunately, the reality of human life is that someday we will all pass on. No one wants to think about it. It's an uncomfortable topic, but it's important to take care of you and your loved ones when that day comes. That's right, Eric. Fortunately for our listeners, we know of a great guy that can help you set up your wills and trusts. Absolutely, Trey. Our friend Andrew McCullough has you covered. You can find him on Twitter at A-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H-105. His DMs are open, and he and the folks at Brindley Sullivan can help you take care of you and your family's estate planning needs. Don't just take our word for it, though. Here is University of Utah star and current draft prospect, Britton Covey, to tell us more. Hey guys, Britton Covey here. As my long time at the University of Utah is coming to a close, it's time for me to start thinking about my future. There's no one I trust more than Andrew McCullough at the firm of Brindley Sullivan for my estate planning needs. Give his office a call to set up a free consultation at 435-673-9220. Andrew's firm is headquartered in St. George, but he spends plenty of time along the Wasatch Front taking care of his needs. So call him and tell him that Britton Covey sent you. More info at trustyourtrust.com. Coming back from break here, before we get into this draft, Donnie, I think I realized today that I have a new addiction, like a very, a very strange addiction. Do you know where I'm going with this? Is it related to Apple products? Yeah. Right. I, I mean, the amount of Apple products I've bought over the past six months is like insane got a new iphone got the macbook air picked up an ipad air with my graduation money like a little a little bit ago and now you know what i want to save up money for you know what i really want is a pair of airpods maxes bro and 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 like they're not practical at all in fact everybody says they're the least practical pair of headphones out there and i already have a pair of the Sony like WXMH4s or whatever. And people say that those are the best noise canceling headphones out there. Yet still, I want the AirPods Max because that'd be cool as hell. And I'm addicted to watching tech videos, Donnie. I watch so many tech videos. Like, what about them excites you? Like, I want to hear it. 
like honestly it's just fun to hear what people have to say about these products like i i, I just watched a whole ipad pro like m1 chip review like do you realize how overkill that 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 whole machine is like it costs a thousand dollars and essentially if they ever just put finder on it or improved ipad os basically you wouldn't need a laptop like an ipad pro is basically just a laptop without the keyboard included and it's like it's crazy and um yeah man i i just you know i find them fascinating and i love you know, I just love the personalities. Like there's the everyday dad. He's a fun guy to watch. There's this guy, uh, this fellow that I don't really know his name, but he's quite good as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, tech videos, man. That's how they get you. you. You watch the tech videos and you think, oh, it looks pretty cool. I'm wondering how my setup looks. But right now, technically, like I never need another piece of like, I don't need electronics for like the next six seven years i mean you know the amount of like bluetooth headphones i have and and, like earbuds is crazy like i have the beats studios the airpods pros like my little dinky pair of like sony uh wireless the ones that hang around the neck i have two tablets now now this kindle thing is really crappy and like slow but if i wanted to if i really wanted to i could watch like eight nfl game pass games at once and learn absolutely nothing because i wouldn't be able to focus in on them close enough so it's just been a it's it's been crazy learning that this is my new addiction like i i just i i'm just gonna be a tech bro that's that's just what that that's that's what this point in my life has has led me to there's definitely worse things that you could be addicted to purchasing and there's definitely better things you could be addicted to purchasing because Apple products are, you know, you know, I, I don't want to insult you or anything, but overpriced for sure. They are well, marked yeah. up, you know, there, there's yeah, obviously there's, a premium. Yeah, of course. But, um, but they're premium products too. I mean, I mean, you're getting quality products for sure. That's, that's one thing you can say about, I, for one, you know, you don't need a $500 pair of Apple headphones because they have the logo on them. That's all I'll say. Um, you do what you want, especially if you have other headphones as somebody who owns multiple pairs of headphones and was not planning on buying $500 AirPod, you know, maxes, um, you know, respect, obviously, if you enjoy listening to whatever you're listening to out of those AirPod maxes, that makes it worth $500. Hey, power to you. We'll just see how much I work this summer. If I work enough this summer, if I make enough money this summer, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Fair enough. Fair enough. Can't argue with that. If you're bringing in the money, you know, who am I to tell you? I'm not pocket washing your phone. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. And I have a little bit of money saved up, but we'll, we'll see. It's going to, uh, I'm thinking like maybe I'll reevaluate in the 4th of July and maybe get myself some fair enough on the 4th of July, you know? And maybe the price will drop too, because you can't, you know, you can't find them for like four hundred fifty dollars on Amazon. Oh wow! So, yeah. Whoa! So, <laughs> what a deal! What a steal that is. Uh, but yeah, that was just a fun antidote, off-season antidote. You're not, you're not gonna get that, you know, anecdote. Not anecdote. You'll, you'll uh, figure it out. You'll figure it out. You're gonna, you know, like. You're not getting that on Verody on the Horn podcast. And I love Verody on the Horn podcast, but you're not getting that kind of in-depth personal analysis there. 
I'll just tell let you. Me, let me tell RK we're catching strays right now. <laughs> you are catching strays indeed. Okay, let's get to it. Let's finish this thing off. This is going to be a long episode, but that's okay. It'll be the only one we put out this week. The quarterbacks under the most pressure. And I'm excited to launch this draft concept because I think it provides an open way for us to each pick some stuff. As the guest, I'll let you go first. Three picks each. Go ahead, Don. Yeah, so my number one, you know, the quarterback that has the most pressure in my eyes is Tua Tagovailoa. I think, you know, when you put that type of – I find it, and, you know, you might disagree with me here. Like, I find it kind of shocking how much people hate Tua Tagovailoa. Like, obviously, he's not the most talented quarterback. His arm strength is definitely questionable from time to time, and he will get hurt. There's no question there. However, people slander him as if he is as bad as, say, Daniel Jones or another lesser quarterback when this guy has, you know, maybe not overwhelmed or maybe not finished his, you know, um, he he hasn't stuck up with the expectations put on him when he came out of school. However, um, I find it really, really hard to to absolutely destroy him, as I feel like a lot of football fans, especially the, the Twitter gremlins, um, that are, are really just out there to hate everything and anything. I find it really hard to, you know, pick anybody other than Tua here, given the fact that all um, the money that they've invested, whether it's Tyreek Hill, Teron Armstead, all these guys, they're putting in money and they need to see some sort of production uh, soon-ish or else, you know, he may lose his job even. Yeah, I mean, that's just an absolutely solid pick to go with. And the thing is, again, like I said, I just started playing around with like, I'll do like playoffpredictors.com, by the way. It's it's a little bit of a slow, laggy website sometimes. You know what I'm talking about, Donnie? I do know what you're talking about. Like, like it, it's not the greatest website out there. But I'll do that because I have a job where it's just a lot of sitting around. And basically like, once a week I go on, I go on there and I just like click on schedules and like predict stuff. And let me just tell you, like the Dolphins schedule is like unreal, like how hard it is out of the gate. Let let me just read you their first five games, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bills, the Bengals, the Jets. Like, Depending on how you feel about the Jets, there's a chance they start 0-5. Like, that's an insanely tough schedule. You're going up against the Ravens, Bills, and Bengals, three of the top contenders in the AFC, arguably, back-to-back-to-back. If Tua is what we think Tua can be, what, what he was hyped up after the draft, we'll know very early whether he is going to be the guy or not. Because they did sign Teddy Bridgewater and like the leash might be kind of short because after that five game stretch, the schedule gets easier and maybe then Teddy comes in and Teddy plays better against teams like the Vikings, Steelers, Lions, Bears, you know, like, I I don't know, but that's a very good pick for, for number one, I, I think Donnie. Do you think he's going to pull it off to a tag of Viola or do you think not? Cause I, I'm honestly leaning towards not like there's just, 
I get I get that the offense on paper looks good for the Dolphins. But ultimately, I do not think they're that much better than any other team in the AFC who's contending for that last wild card spot, basically. Yeah, it's tough with him, especially because, you know, we haven't seen it yet. And, you know, like there is a ceiling in there that makes him a legitimate NFL quarterback where you think like, oh, this guy is going to be very good for a long time. But uh, we've also seen a lot of shortcomings. And I think that that's really um, maybe worrisome, especially given the fact that there is an entirely new, again, head coaches are very important for quarterbacks and throwing a, another head coach to a quarterback that, you know, uh, maybe the processing is a little bit of an issue. I would say, you know, things you can fix, things you can worry about um, elsewhere another time. But yeah, the division is the biggest thing for me, I think. Obviously, I think the Bills are better than them. There's no real question there. The Bills are going to be better than the Dolphins. Um, the Patriots, probably better than the Dolphins. I don't think there's any real question there that the Patriots um, and Mac Jones are in a, a, you know, similar to last year, um, in terms of their level that they can compete, I would say that they should have a similar year last year. And as much as it, you know, I can't buy into the Jets. I will never buy into the Jets. The Jets will be better. There's not really a question the Jets will be better, right? Like, I think that there's, it's hard to see them go any worse than, you know, six or seven wins. It might be a little bit, you know, um, it's kind of lame to say, oh, their ceiling is seven wins, but like the, the Jets could hit seven pretty easily too. So, uh, yeah, it, it's all about, you know, winning out of the gate. And I think, you know, you'd even say Teddy's like not that bad, right? It's a guy you'd, you'd be okay to have off the bench. Yeah, Teddy's not that bad. That's like the number one defining trait of Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> like, am that's I wrong? So, that's so sad. It's the, I mean, it's true, but like, like you know what? You said he seems like a good just, guy. I just don't want to say that about him. He's just like not that bad. Like, he's he's fine. Like, he's not he has a glove, dude. He's, he's not special. He has a glove, but he's fine. And Ultimately, that's why, you know, I love the Kenny Pickett, Teddy Bridgewater comps because that that's who I view Kenny Pickett as is is the next Teddy Bridgewater, maybe slightly better, maybe slightly worse. So we'll we'll see what happens there. I'm going to go take this in a different direction. I'm going to say Joe Burrow has a lot of pressure on him as a quarterback, because here's a guy that going into last year, everybody knew he's a good quarterback. This is a top 10 NFL quarterback. That was pretty consensus going into the year last year. But with Jamar Chase and the way the offense performed down the stretch, and especially his performance throughout the playoffs, it became increasingly clear, okay, this guy is an elite NFL quarterback. And by the end of the year, both you and I were talking about, you know, is Joe Burrow a top five quarterback? Like, is he a top three quarterback? And it, there's just always a lot of pressure, always a ton of pressure on these guys the year after they break out, because that's when you figure out, okay, is he going to regress to the mean a little bit and just be like kind of average or is this guy going to be like Patrick Mahomes and basically just be a top two to three option every single year when the playoffs come around at least? So there's a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow to see where he kind of ends up in the quarterback hierarchy. Is he going to, am I saying this means he's not going to be what he was last year? Absolutely not. I think he could definitely do that. And I think he can repeat. And I think the expectation is that the Bengals are a contender again. 
but there's also a chance that we see like a Dak Prescott type beat with him where he's very good, but then he kind of regresses a little bit back to the mean and he's still a very good quarterback, but it's not every single week he's doing something awe-inspired like a Justin Herbert or a Patrick Mahomes. Is. So I, I think that Joe Burrow sneaky has a lot of pressure on him this year. Well, especially given the fact that like the run that they made in the playoffs last year was about as, you know, remarkable as one we've seen from a quarterback, uh, especially you'd have to remember like the year before that, that was a very bad team with a very bad line. You know, obviously Joe got hurt. Um, I think that that's a great pick. Honestly, it was not a guy that I was thinking about, but the way you said it and the way you discussed it, I mean, it's hard to think about a guy you go, you take out a team, in the Super Bowl, a team that was probably not supposed to be in the Super Bowl in his second year. And now the pressure to be even better than that, to win a Super Bowl has got to be like right in his face constantly. He's got to be hearing questions about it from the media all the time. Right. Yeah, basically. All right. Who's your next pick? You know, I decided as much as I, you know, I found it hard to really like discuss this, but like whoever starts for the 49ers this year, whoever ends up playing, which, you know, it seems like Trey Lance is the guy, it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a show. But if Trey Lance is bad, like if you're like really bad, like we're talking like very mediocre, worse than Jimmy Garoppolo bad, the Niners are going to be just the biggest. I don't want to like, they're going to be the biggest shit show i think that's the only way to really put it that division obviously you know with the seahawks coming off of uh you know their their run they're taking a step back to help out your broncos um you still got to think the niners can they compete with a team like the rams if trey lance is not great and the answer is probably no and then you look at the other you know competitor in the division arizona is going to be a little bit less good i would assume um if they don't have everything together, obviously they've got some, some random suspensions and injuries in there. Kyler Murray, the contract situation is weird, but the Niners at some point, you have to say like, this is, this is a team that needs a quarterback as bad as anybody at this point. Uh, if they can't, you know, uh, get something out of Trey Lance next year, or, or maybe Jimmy Garoppolo ends up playing who knows what a weird situation just in general, I'd say. Yeah. You know, I, I've been very vocal that I don't think Trey Lance is very good. I think, what we saw from last him last year was a guy that was so far away from being ready to play in the NFL in general. His throwing motion is a disaster, like Blake Bortles level disaster, like not, not good at all. And you keep hearing these reports out of Niners camp earlier in the off season where it's like, well, we actually don't think he's ready to play in year two. And like, sure, maybe that's a smokescreen for Jimmy G, but that's not what you want to hear about your third overall pick. Then, and then everybody likes to remind me that, oh yeah, Kyle Shanahan didn't actually want to draft Trey Lance. This was more of a John Lynch pick. Kyle Shanahan wanted to go with Mac Jones. And at this point, I'm very confident that Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Trey Lance is. Can't I'm, argue that. Can't I'm just, argue that. I'm just very confident that Mac Jones and this coming year, no matter what, and this is where it gets a little bit more of a hot take, no matter what, in no way will Trey Lance outplay Mac Jones this year because Mac Jones is going to progress from a fine quarterback to a guy that we're likely talking about in November as a guy that like, 
oh wow looking for patriots they're somehow six and two again just like like, last year and like they've got mac jones and mac jones is not terrible is he a borderline top 10 guy like that's that is a conversation we are guaranteed to be having in late october like that, yeah, you're not gonna get that out of Trey Lance. There's like, no nobody's gonna get, yeah, get that. That's just get ready guy, for but... that. It's not gonna happen with Trey Lance. So I, I agree. agree. I agree with you. He he is a guy under a lot of pressure. I kind of like that we're going with themes. So I'm gonna continue to go older guy. And and this is really a victory lap for you, Donnie, because I don't think my view of a player has changed more in the span of a year than it has for Dak Prescott. Like, I think Dak Prescott is under a lot of pressure this year because ultimately Dak Prescott in the big moments last year failed constantly. Like, just was not that good of a quarterback. Arguably lost them the playoff game. Like, that's not good. This is a guy that two years ago, and you know this because you told me, Eric, don't say that, but I viewed as like a top three NFL quarterback. I was talking to Trey about this the other day. I think with the redistribution of star quarterbacks in the AFC and the emergence of Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, is Dak Prescott even really a top 10 quarterback? See, you know my answer. I think like, that I'd probably, I probably go with no. I mean, the thing like, is, is like, he? These guys like, have to perform. I kind of think no. They I have to perform in the big minutes, is. right? Yeah. If a quarterback is not putting up his best games in big crunch time situation, with Dak Prescott has never really been able to do. If you look at who he lost to last year, it's basically any team with a pulse. It's like obviously, it's great to have a guy that can go around and beat the Giants a couple times a year. Uh, who, you know, any quarterback with a pulse should be able to beat the Giants. And then you got Washington, who's equally as mediocre and equally as sad of an organization. Um, but then you get games like, oh, you know, you're playing the Buccaneers. You're not going to win that game. Arizona, that's a loss. They lost to Denver last year. That can't happen. The Broncos stink. Um, no, obviously not. Just joking with my, my good friend Eric here. Eric was very bothered by me, uh, you know, crapping on the Broncos last year. He was, he was very upset. And he'll be upset when it happens again this year. Um, but again, it's just like, Dak Prescott's a guy that I have always been down on, not even just the bias thing, uh, being a fan of another team in the division. I just think there's guys that can't get it done in, in prime situations. And I mean, it, it's not like you're going to find a better quarterback out there in free agency. It's not like you're going to, you put Kirk Cousins on the Cowboys and they're, they're a great team because they're not, but there's guys that are good enough. And then there's guys that will get you over the hump and really bring you to the next level. I don't think Dak Prescott's that guy. I think that's an absolutely fair point. I And it stinks too, because Dak Prescott seems like a good guy and he seems like he goes out there and plays the game hard and he's very emotional and very hard on his sleeve, you know, giving his all for the team. But there's just these little mistakes here and there that just don't make any sense. And when he's playing at his best, and granted it's always against the bad teams, but when he's playing at his best, I really think there's nobody who has like better mental control of the game, like making checks at the line and controlling his own offense since like maybe Peyton Manning. Like I I think his football IQ is super high. He just, he's run into the same issues that his predecessor did. He, 
to me, he is Tony Romo. Like Tony Romo, people forget, was an awesome quarterback. Like a really awesome quarterback. Like Tony Romo was a supremely talented NFL quarterback who was really, really good, especially against bad teams in the NFC East. But when the big moments came around and the playoffs and big time games started to happen, that all kind of disappeared. And yeah, it's it's just tough for Dak Prescott. I I'm very low on the Cowboys. I'll say that right now. I kind of think wow. I, I, I'm very low on the Cowboys Shocking. going into this year. I think the division is much more competitive. I think the Giants aren't a gimme win, and I don't think the Commanders are a gimme win. You say that now. Like, I say that now. I, I do say <laughs> that. I do say that in late May. Come October, I will probably be saying <laughs> otherwise because the Commanders are counting on Carson Wentz. But people also forget Carson Wentz at points last year was actually good, but then collapsed down the stretch. That's a whole nother story for a different date. He's a guy under a lot of pressure as well, but I don't know. I don't, I see the Cowboys ceiling as 10 wins and I see realistically where they'll end up as eight or nine. I, I, I think that with the schedule they play, and just the nature of having Mike McCarthy as your coach, I would not be shocked by the way if Mike McCarthy gets fired by like mid-October. Like that just would not shock me. Especially because because it's the Cowboys. Because I don't think that, I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender in no way, shape or form. Would I be, I would be shocked if the Cowboys won the Super Bowl this year. Absolutely shocked. Well, especially given the fact that just like the, the decline, uh, very minor decline, I would say, considering you have CD Lamb, you know, out there just fine. But, you know, the weapons will be a little bit less consistent. And there's got to be a point where Ezekiel Elliott really just like runs himself into the ground. And I think we've seen it time and time again, a little bit uh, year by year. He starts to, you know, slow down a little bit. There will be injuries where they linger for a while. Tony Pollard looks great and steps in, but doesn't get the time that he needs. Uh, I'm a big Tony Pollard fan, if you if you can't tell. But, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, the window has closed a little bit on the Cowboys. And, you know, it's not like we're talking about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's an older quarterback now. He's not like he, – it's not like he's 23, 24 anymore. Um, we're talking about a guy that will be 29 when the season starts. And that's like, you know, obviously not a, not a worry anymore. But at some point, you got to show me something, right? Right. All right, Donnie. All right, we're heading over to the division that you – are a fan of a team inside the division and I'm picking Derek Carr. Okay. So as somebody who, again, I think Derek Carr gets a little bit of a bad rap. He's not a great quarterback all the time. He makes a lot of silly mistakes. Uh, he's, but he's a very hard on his sleeve player, similar to Dak Prescott, except, you know, this is the year. This is the time. If, if Derek Carr is not good, there is, we're serious problems given the fact that the competition in the division, I think this is the best, divisional quarterback like group maybe that like a division has seen in like years like it's crazy to think about russell wilson is insane still i hate i hate boosting Uh, eric's ego let let me ask you something about Derek carbo i didn't put him on the list on my list strictly because from start to finish last year he played like a borderline top 10 quarterback. 
Like, but is that good enough? I don't think you'd put I don't think you'd put him in the top 10 squarely, but I think at the end of the year you'd probably put him at 10. Like, but is that good enough? That's a fair question. But I say again, I think, we've been talking about Derek Carr for like a decade. I think he's a guy that will benefit from upgraded weapons. I truly do think that he will jump a few spots from top 10 to maybe like top six, just because of Devonte Adams. Like hard to argue that really. I, I, just, I, I see where you're coming from, but I totally disagree. I, I, I there's probably, I'm very confident in Derek Carr going into next year. I think the Raiders are a team and I think this is going to be sad, but true, but the Raiders and the Broncos, for that matter, are one of these teams that I think is going to have 11 wins and still miss the playoffs. Like, And, and again, is that like, good enough? If the if the Raiders were to win 11 games and miss the playoffs with Derek Carr quarterback, are you sitting there like, oh, like, great job? You're not. Well, what are you, I, I guess what are you going to do if you're an 11-win team? Are you really going to trade Derek Carr for, like, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? Like, it feels much safer to just run it back the next year with Carr and improve the rest of your team, which is probably why you're losing, than to move on entirely. I think he's just way too tied in at this point. And especially if he if he if he wins 11 games this year. And the reason they lose most of the time is because honestly they have a really terrible secondary, which is true. Then I I would be now the Raiders aren't a smart organization. But I would be shocked if the Raiders were like, no, we're going to move on. Well, see, the thing is, like, as much as you want to go and give blame to the the correct spots, obviously the defense is atrocious most of the time. We've seen them uh, bottom five or bottom ten in the league a couple times the last couple years. The quarterback takes the blame on these things, regardless of what happens. Uh, Like, even look at, like, Carson Wentz is an interesting example because of the last game of the year, just how – I don't even want to say how, how poor it was, how, how much of a, a step back in his career that looked to be. But if you don't win, if you don't start making these runs, like this is a team last year, they played the Bengals pretty well in the playoffs, lost the game to the eventual Super Bowl runner-ups. Not really something you can be mad about. But there has to be a time at some point where the Raiders are like, yeah, we need to win something at some point, right? Like our quarterbacks, uh, Derek Carr's coming in the years to be 31. Um, you you got to show me something, right? Like at, at this point, there's not many players that have been given, uh, you know, a superstar wide receiver to go with an already like, okay, group of weapons, although definitely not the best, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro. He's great. Love, love Hunter Renfro. Um, but when he's your top target guy, it's a little bit of an issue, but yeah, I don't know. I I'm still out on the whole Derek Carr thing solely because I think the vision is a little bit too strong for him to make a big difference. Um, and, you know, hopefully he proves me wrong. I'll root for Derek Carr. I don't have any issue with it, but I just feel like there's a lot riding on his this season for him. Hmm. Interesting. My final pick here, I'll I'll go more traditional. Zach Wilson. I mean, let's just talk about the Jets. I personally love the Jets. I know that you're 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 here to like <laughs> you're here to like keep me nailed down to the floor when it comes to Jets love, but you're not surprised that I love the Jets, right? Like the Jets are like a prototypical like Eric Jensen falls in love with you and the offseason team. It makes so much sense. Yeah, like they make a few good they make a few good free agency moves, mostly along the offensive line, but 
are pretty quiet and reserved. And then they just absolutely crush the draft. And you know, I'm a sucker for teams that absolutely crush the draft and just like, oh, look at that guy's upside. Like, this could be pretty good. But, like, I don't know. Like, the line's better. You're counting on Mackay Becton to not, like, be a weird force of nature, which, you know, could happen. He seems like a little bit of a wild card and an X factor. But, I mean, let me tell you, Donnie, like, They've got weapons like they've got Corey Davis. They've got Elijah Moore. They've got Garrett Wilson. They add CJ Uzama in free agency. He was good for the Bengals in that run last year. Like, I don't know. It just seems to me like it it would just make a ton of sense to me if the Jets absolutely took off. And I just love Zach Wilson and, you know, I guess, would it shock you if he's borderline top 10 this year? Yes. He's not it would not shock. Borderline would top not. 10 is a, is a stretch. I think he could be an average level quarterback, a mid-level starter. Uh, but we didn't see a whole lot from him last year, regardless of if people want to tell me, oh, like he made a good throw He was here. injured most of the year. I understand. I definitely get it. But when you, when you play, and I, the weapons are great and all, um, I have a hard time buying into Zach Wilson at this point because I feel like there's still a lot of competition in the division where he is going to be made. Um, they may make him look like a little bit of a fool. Uh, if you remember correctly, the, the end of the year last year against Buffalo, when he played, he looked atrocious. He got sacked like nine times. Um, he had no help. And I think, you know, you play a team like Buffalo uh, twice a year, they are going to expose your deficiencies and maybe open up those deficiencies to other teams to expose as well. Um I don't think that there's that much pressure on Zach Wilson, to be honest. Like, I think the big pressure year, regardless of the next year, as long as he doesn't take a huge step back with all the weapons he's got, he's got. Like, I don't know. I feel like the Jets are still in, in a transition period, regardless of you know. I, I know you love the draft, and I know you love when when teams do things. And I'm like, oh, upside. Oh, that guy's fun. But I, I think we're still a year out from being really high on Zach Wilson, which is like fair enough, right? Like, you can't expect the guy to step right in and be a superstar at quarterback. It just doesn't happen most of the time. Yeah. I mean, that's a completely. I just got to keep you grounded on the Jets. That's the only thing. I don't care if you're a third point. To Broncos me. are winning 15 games this year. If you want to say that, sure, go ahead. I, I just want to mention, uh, I, I've got, uh, you know, notepad of you saying that the Broncos are going to make the playoffs in each of the last five years. There's tweets out there. Um, but, you know, the Jets are a different story. I don't care if you're high on the Broncos because you deserve that, but the Jets, the Jets are, are they, they find a way to jet. They find a way to jet. They do find a way to jet. Let me just rapid fire read off the rest of the guys that I might've brought up and just tell me if there's anyone in here that's particularly interesting to you. Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz. Yeah. See, I had Kyler Murray as one of mine and I think it's interesting just his situation is less about his talent level because we know it's there and we know he has uh, the ability, but it doesn't always show up. And again, that team is like uh, kind of a mess. I feel like they just went out and they had a weird suspension for something that shouldn't happen ever. Like, I, I think you would agree on agree with me. That's just, it's just dumb, right? Like it's a stupid, a stupid way to function. Uh, if you're a, a very high paid NFL player, and then you go out there and you say, Oh, 
we're just gonna we're just gonna add another receiver. Like we we have other needs, but but no, nah, we're just gonna go out there. We're who cares? Like we will have seven guys that are are worthy of playing time, and we can't get all of them on the field at the same time. But that's what we're gonna do anyway, and we're just gonna roll with it because that's the that's that's the Cardinals' way. I hope that Kyler Murray's good. I'm rooting for Kyler Murray. However, the last like year has been really weird for him. It's just been very up and down strange. Yeah, and it's like hard to separate him from like Cliff Kingsbury. Like, is Cliff Kingsbury actually an NFL head coach? People which, hate Cliff Kingsbury more which, than any any other coach, which is crazy to me. Let me just tell you. I'm one of those guys. I know. I, hate, I, hate I know. I know. Like That's he's he's just entirely overhyped. He's never really proven to be good at offensive scheming. Like most of a Cardinals offense, you do realize is just giving the ball to Kyler and being yes. like, okay, make something happen. Which like, is great. That's I love seeing kind, it. That's kind of their offense. Like they don't actually run anything. Like they're not, they're not smart. They're not efficient. They're 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 yeah, I mean. RK will tell you much more about that. I mean, RK yeah, loves Kyler Murray. RK is the biggest Kyler Murray fan. But I bet he hates Cliff Kingsbury too, because he's holding you know, Kyler Murray back. <laughs> I, it's a we'll see. I think the, the biggest Be thing frank. with yeah, the biggest thing with Kyler Murray is just like staying on the field. Yeah, and cons- like it's got to happen, right? Like if they want to have any chance, because I, I still think, and and I know you you might have some some crazy opinions, but like the Rams are like 80 times better than them. And it's going to be that way, regardless of what happens, I think. Um, but, you know, wild card team, maybe, who knows? Honestly, like they could be really bad. Kyler Murray could stink. Kyler Murray could be hurt for 12 games. Like it, it, the randomness that comes out of the Arizona Cardinals from year to year is really just astonishing. It's like mind blowing. Indeed. All right, Donnie. Well, thanks for joining me. Of course. That was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely want to get you back on soon per usual. Maybe we'll get RK on. This went way too long, but uh, ended up then. Round it out. It's gonna it's gonna be gonna be a good time at the end of the day. So thanks so much for joining us. Go follow Donnie on Twitter. Also, go follow Rody on the Horn. A great podcast to listen to. And with that, we will get out of here. We'll see you next week. Whip probably another special guest. Peace out.